This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. With the first jewel claim. Oh, it's a photo of the Derby. The race for the Triple Crown erupts into an epic party. The Preakness Stakes, May 18th on NBC and Peacock. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you do for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. I wouldn't say that me and Pat is competing against each other. Uh, We definitely, as far as just like, hey, you know, I'm going to have more yards, more touchdowns. It's, you know, we're trying to be the best quarterbacks for our teams. Deshaun and the Texans are a great football team. They have a lot of great talent around him, and he, and he makes a lot of big plays in big games. And so uh, I kind of I think I said something to him last year at the end of the game uh, and that we're going to have these battles for a long time. And uh, we're two, two uh, opponents in the same uh, division, I mean, same conference at the AFC, so I'm sure I'll play a lot of games against them. It's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a good one. A lot of great players on the field. and. Um, you know, we're looking forward to it. We're all looking forward to it. It's finally here, the first day of the 2020 NFL regular season. Kansas City Chiefs defending Super Bowl champions, hosting one of the teams that they defeated in the postseason on their way to that championship, down 24-0 to the Texans. The Chiefs came roaring back and blew them off the field. They get a chance to do it again tonight. However, last year in the regular season, regular season, not postseason, the Texans went up there and won. And the Texans were down 17-3 in that game. So... Yeah, got it. It's they are the basketball team. The Chiefs are that is inevitably going to have that eighteen to two run. Right? Can you withstand the eighteen to two run? Can you turn it off, or does it become thirty six to four? Hello and good morning. By the way, it's oh, he's all excited. He didn't even say hello to the UK or Sky Sports or anything. He said the hell with everybody. everybody. (laughs) Hello to Peacock. Hello to Sirius XM two eleven. Hello to Sky Sports. Although we're on there a little bit later than live but a lot closer to kick off of the game. And I feel bad for our friends in the UK and in Ireland. They're going to be bleary-eyed come Friday morning their time because the game starts there, if my math is correct, at 1.20 a.m. Wow. Local time. Wow. Greenwich Mean Time or whatever the hell we resolved oh, months right. ago with the official name of the it. time zone. <laughs> whatever it is, it's 1.20 in the morning there when the game starts. It's 7 now a.m. in the east, p.m. in the UK and Ireland. Chris Sims. I'm excited. This is it. This is what we've been waiting for. I never thought it would come. It's here. I mean, I I can't tell you how excited I am. First off, just the matchup itself, I think, is exciting. I mean, these two young quarterbacks. And then, yeah, no, we haven't seen any football. No preseason football. What to expect. All of that. But, man, 
I don't know. When I just sat down here today and went, there's football, I had like a flashback of everything we went through in the spring. Me sitting at home in that damn room and trying to FaceTime the show, and I'm just going, I don't think we're going to have football. This ain't looking good. And then slowly but surely, okay, NFL's got a good plan. I'm not sure we can pull this off, but I like what I see. And then it's okay. I'm starting to hear from coaches and people. The protocols are pretty good. All right, it's feeling better. And then it just continued to grow from there, right, Mike, to where I feel like with every passing day, I became more optimistic and confident, and uh, I feel about as confident as, as I can be right now that the NFL season will, will carry on. I don't know how you can call it a flashback because it's been the same thing every day since March. There's nothing to flash back to. Well, it's been this ongoing existence. I know for you it changed after our three weeks yes, off. You right. started coming to the studio. But, I mean, for me, it's been lather, rinse, repeat, lather, rinse, repeat. And I think a lot of people feel like they've been in that same mode where nothing has changed. Now, I know that folks out there have been enjoying other sports. We've been caught up in football. And for the people who are the hardcore football fans – it's it's like this day was never going to come. Yeah. And and you're right. There were periods of time where we thought it, it's just not going to work. We're, 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 look, we, we hope it will, but we got to be realistic. Oh, you're, you hate football. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we hate football. Yeah, we don't want football season to happen. No, we want it to happen. We just have some concerns that we think are valid that we hope the powers that be are taken care of. And isn't it amazing? And I don't know why this is, Yeah. how we have come to this dawn where, well, and I know why it is, they've handled the COVID situation incredibly well during camp. No doubt. But things, things change now. Guys are going to be leaving on a jet plane. They're going to be breaking their mini bubbles. Half of the mini bubbles in the league are going to be broken over the course of the next few days. Will that hold? Will they keep the virus out? And will the young players... When they have more time on their hands, yes, now's the not time. under the thumb of their coaches, right. will they continue to be vigilant? Because the moment they stop is the moment we walk into a problem. Yeah, well, uh, all right. The first thing is I am confident. I mean, that again, we're doing the best we can before the competition begins to make sure that there's nobody on the field with COVID-19. So that's, hey, that, that's a good start. And they're doing everything they can that way. Hopefully the planes are clean properly and all of that. You don't have to worry about anything like that as well. So from that standpoint, you know, I, I feel good about that. I really do. Um, and I, I just think with everything that's in place at all these facilities, the contact tracing, the bracelets guys are wearing to make sure distancing goes, all of that, uh, I would just have a hard time believing that we, we, we don't get it all done. What was the last part of that you said? I was going to say something else, but I forgot. The young players, not the doing young players. What they need this is the do. time right now, Mike. This is it. You're right. I mean, you said it. You're not under the thumb of training camp anymore. You start to get free time. Mondays and Tuesdays are pretty good days as an NFL football player. Monday, you just work out and watch the film. You get home at a good hour. Tuesday, you got nothing. So guys go to get out on Monday nights usually, typically, maybe even during Tuesday a little bit, and there is more free time, and that's where these veteran players are going to have to stay on top of these rookies and young guys to make sure they don't do that. It's a variety of potential complications for the young players. It's going places that they shouldn't be going. It's having people fly in and visit them, yes. people over to their houses. You know, if the veteran is doing the virtual bed check of the young player – and wants the shot from the bedroom where the player normally is, or just something to show that right, he's in his right. house. 
all you're going to see is the player and the background in his house. And the veteran's like, all right, good, you're home. I don't have to worry about you. Meanwhile, there's 30 other people on the other side of the door trying to keep quiet so the veteran can't hear that the player's having a house party on their, you know, the night before their day off. Yeah, I mean, these right. are all real right. concerns. And here's where it's going to get worse. And, and oh, you, you hope the football season falls apart. Here come the critics. No, I'm, I'm hoping that they have a plan in place to keep this from happening. As we get deeper and deeper into the season, it's kind of like the failed fantasy football team dynamic. The deeper you get into a season and your team stinks, the less you care, right? So we get into November. Yes. Thanksgiving, December. Maybe right. I don't know when it sets in, but for the teams that are just done, you know, look at the Jaguars. I know they say they're not trying to lose, and you look at their roster, and it's like they may not need to try to lose. I mean, they got 16 rookies on yes. their 53-man roster. Yes. Right? You, if they're out of it what by Halloween. What do those Halloween, guys do? Right. What are, they what are those guys going to do? Yeah, the exactly. next eight weeks. Yeah. How do, you, how do you hold their focus? And you know what you do to them, Chris? You say, hey, if this all falls apart, you're not getting paid. Yeah, that's right. Plain and simple. Right. If we're not playing games, you're not getting game checks. This isn't like going on injured reserve where you still get paid. You're not getting paid. Period. And uh, and that's the concern, I think, at that point. And the guys on IR. Like, if you have guys on IR who aren't playing, are they going to be careful? Are they going to be smart? Are they going to be coming to the facility for treatment and maybe bringing the virus when they're not part of the team? These are all things that I hope people are thinking of and planning for. Yeah, I think they are. I, I think the NFL, I mean, just everything we've seen, it's been pretty top-notch. And then I know we had a call and being part of NBC and the NFL where we got a little bit more of a lay of the land with how things are done. And I, I know that made me feel very comfortable as well that, hey, this it's not perfect, but it's damn close to it. And, you know, they've, they've thought this out and have all the contingency plans, at, at least in my opinion, uh, pretty much in place. Got to be ready for everything and anything because we saw it a few weeks ago with the 77 false positive that popped up. You never know what's going to happen. We're starting a journey today that is going to last for – Four and a half, five months. And at some point in the next four and a half, five months, something's going to happen that's going to throw a curveball at the NFL, and they have to be ready to move and ready to adjust and ready to react on the fly. And here's hoping that they can. Tonight. Tonight, let's, let's, baby. Let's, let's address this first. Yeah. No preseason. Right, right out of the gates. Yeah. They're dropping the teams onto the field. It's Texans, Chiefs. What do we expect just by virtue of the fact that this is the first time they're putting their uniforms on and going out onto a field and facing an opponent all year long. Well, I think you're going to see some sloppiness for sure. I mean, you know, the, the one thing like we talked about yesterday, I know with a lot with Tony Dungy, Rodney Harris, and missed tackling. You know, the fact that one, we didn't have preseason games. Two, I think coaches were a little scared to just go all out all the time during training camp because they didn't want player they wanted to keep their 53 man roster intact because hey we got a a game that really counts to start the year. So I had a I would have a hard time thinking tackling is going to be perfect that way. The other thing I'll say that that I expect to play a factor in this is conditioning. You know, part of the preseason is you know, realizing how to deal with your emotions and ramping up for the game and the nerves of it and everything like that. And then the intensity of 
oh, wow, okay, I haven't, you know, turned up the intensity like this in any training camp practice. They've been intense, but they haven't been like this where I'm nervous, my coach is yelling at me, the quarterback's barking signals at me, and, oh, yeah, I got this big dude who's mean and angry in front of me, and I got to stop him. So that, to me, will be another big factor in the football game. Overall, I look at it like offenses have advantage here, Mike. I really do. Throughout the NFL, in a week like this, the passers, the catchers, you know, they've been throwing and catching the football all spring, doing that type of stuff. We saw Brady in Tampa and all that. So that, that to me, I expect a lot of passing yards. And I, I think that's where I expect tonight in general. We could see a lot of big-time explosive pass plays there with these two quarterbacks and the weapons they have. And that was a point that somebody made yesterday when we were having our meetings and our rehearsals for tonight's pregame show. The idea that what we saw was offenses gathering for these practices. Right. You don't see defenses gathering. What do you do as a, a, a voluntary get-together on a high school field in Texas? What do you do as defensive exactly. players by yourselves? you got to have an offense there to try to defend against in order to meaningfully practice, but the offense can run through their plays, can run through their rhythm and their exactly. timing and, and work it all out. And they were doing it, but the defenses weren't, so that's another reason. And the tackling has been an issue for the last 10 years, Chris, ever since they adjusted the CBA in no 2011 doubt. to dramatically reduce padded practices, the intensity of the offseason and training camp, all about taking away the opportunities and the occasions for guys to get head injuries. That's what it was all about. Yes. So now guys don't know how to tackle. And we're going to be, for the first time, in a live tackling situation. I'd love to know how many teams actually had tackling to the ground this year during the preseason. My guess is not many. And not those many. that did probably didn't do it very often. No, not, not at all. You might have got, you know, thud-type practices. Hey, contact, you know, stop the ball carrier, but then let him go and maybe let him finish the run to where he can, you know, get used to running 20 yards down the field, all those type of things. Going to the ground in a normal year is very rare to where only a handful of teams in the league would really tackle to the ground during training camp. So that doesn't go on normally, let alone a year like this, where, of course, we can't forget – you know, we saw at the start of training camp, guys were, were getting hurt left and right to where these coaches had to pull back the reins a little bit and be, hey, we got to get these guys in shape first here before we get too intense. So, uh, yeah, I think it's certainly going to be a problem. And Mike, I'm glad you brought up 2011 because I think, again, there's some correlation there. And we talked about the pass catchers. We had three, three 5,000-yard passers that year. You know, the offenses kind of hit the ground running and the defenses took a little while to get their feet underneath them. I think that you could see some, you know, similarities there. Hey, and not to get ahead of ourselves, we'll be talking about Cam Newton tomorrow, but uh, he was a rookie in 2011 without the benefit of an offseason program. And he came in, in and he was in fuego from the get-go. Right. So, uh, yeah, you know, we always think that the defense is a little bit ahead of the offense going into a normal season. This may be one of those abnormal seasons where the offense is ahead of the defense. And let's start with the team whose offense ultimately was way ahead of the Houston defense in the playoffs last year. Spotting the Texans 24-0 and then outscoring them the rest of the way 51-7. to 51-7. And look, if you're the Texans, I don't know how you even show up. I mean, maybe it's good that they've been distracted by the pandemic and everything else, because otherwise you're sitting around saying, really, 
we got to go back there 51 to 7 and endure that again do we expect it to be any different when the Chiefs have the ball tonight well uh no I'm not gonna say that I expect it to be a whole lot different I think you're gonna see a lot of points and a lot of yards from the Kansas City Chiefs offense you know first off the, the Houston Texans defense you know th it was it was nothing to write home about last year they weren't good at stopping the run. They weren't good at stopping the pass. So there's a lot of questions there, I think, in the secondary in general, just about will those guys perform, be able to match up with receivers on a week-to-week -week basis. And then, you know, we've talked about it a little, too, with the Houston Texans. They lost a DJ Reader. You know, J.J. Watts had the injury bug, you know, getting to this point of his career. Can he stay healthy? Yeah, that's imperative because he's really one of the only few difference makers they have in the front seven. So, uh, I no, I don't expect the Houston Texans to slow down Kansas City a whole lot tonight. Yeah, I don't either. And I think the question's going to become, can they outscore them? We'll talk about when the Texans have the ball coming up. But let's focus a little bit more on this Kansas City offense with the new rookie running back, Clyde Edwards. That's where we got to go. Steps in for Damian Williams. Right. Damian Williams opted out. I remember when they drafted Edwards Hilaire. And Brett Veach initially said Damian Williams is the starter. They're going to share the load. And I thought, well, as the season goes on, when they realize Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a lot better than Damian Williams, all due respect, they, they wouldn't have used a first-round pick exactly. on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire if they didn't think that. That's right. That we'll see more of him then. Now we're going to see a lot of him right out of the gates. Now, they, you know, they, they, I'm told, had interest in Adrian Peterson, which makes me wonder how they feel about the backup. But you know what? If they have concerns about the backup, what does that mean? That means more work for the starter. Yeah. Right? No Until doubt. they can find a backup they feel good about, Clyde Ebersolera is our guy. And I, I feel like that, that there's been a ton of hype. There's been a ton of expectation. But I rewind to the opening game of the season three years ago when Kareem Hunt made his debut as a rookie and had a huge night after fumbling on his first carry of his NFL career, had a huge night in New England to help fuel the Chiefs to a blowout win over the New England Patriots. Well, not really a blowout, but anytime you beat the Patriots in New England, it kind of feels like a blowout. Yeah, but the, the Chiefs got it done that night, and a rookie running back got it done. Is a rookie running back going to get it done tonight? I think so. I, I just I think he'll have every bit of a piece of the offense, just like we saw Kareem Hunt start, if not more. Because I think you could argue Clyde Edwards-Hilaire coming from you know LSU in that West Coast offense, and he's in the same offense now again, to where I would think he's got a pretty good grasp of the offense, and especially you know all the things he did in the past game. But uh, to me, you know, this is where Kansas City's become deadly. This is why you know this is why they're special. Good offensive line. Okay, I you know I will say this. I worry about bad offensive lines. We didn't really hit on that. I worry about that, but forget it. I won't get to that. Good offensive line. Awesome receivers that can attack downfield. Kelsey works the middle of the field. The teams that we've seen have success against the, the Kansas City Chiefs on defense play deep dropping zones and take away those aggressive plays. That dynamic, in my opinion, is going to change with, with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Because now, between the screen game and, whoa, you want to give this guy that much space one-on-one -on -one with a linebacker or somebody that's less than him as an athlete, he, he's going to make people look silly in those scenarios. And I think that's going to make defenses have to kind of reevaluate how they want to approach Kansas City. And it, it makes them almost indefensible, in, in my opinion. And just to rewind back again to 2017, to put in perspective the extent to which the Chiefs leaned on a rookie running back right out of the gates at a big moment in New England to start the season. It was 42-27. to 27. That's a blowout. In the Patriots there. by 15 yeah. at home. That's a blowout. Yes. Kareem Hunt had 
148 yards rushing that night on 17 carries, 8.7 yards per carry, and 98 yards receiving on five catches. That's 246 yards from scrimmage and three touchdowns right out of the gates for a guy who had none of the anticipation that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is bringing to the table. Going against a defense slightly better than the Houston Texans. Slightly better, I'd say. So, uh, now look, look. That was a game that the Patriots were supposed to win, and it's so rare for the team that is hoisting the banner to lose, and it was a stunner. It was a shocker. I remember being there thinking, oh, my God. you know. So it's a different set of circumstances this time around. The Chiefs are the ones who are being hunted, but still, it's Andy Reid. You got Patrick Mahomes. The question is, how are you designing this game plan? Are you going to let Patrick Mahomes throw the ball down the field like he always does so well, or do you take what's there, and will it be? Plenty of opportunities underneath because defenses are obsessed with not getting burned by Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, and Travis Kelsey. So it very well could be that the Chiefs have designed something tonight that will allow Edwards Hilaire to ring up the kind of numbers. It It would be ridiculous for him to have three touchdowns and 246 yards from scrimmage, but Kareem Hunt did it three years ago. I know. So... It wouldn't be crazy if it happened. Nothing's crazy with this offense. I mean, no, there, there, there's, I mean, the sky's the limit with them. We know, and then we know added onto that with Andy Reid and time off, whether it's bye weeks or first games. I mean, he's the mad scientist this way. This is why I think they're scary too, because, you know, I know you've heard me say the pressure's off. So now he might've been like, Oh, I don't know if I want to try this, this might, but oh, I want a super bowl. Hey, I'm going to do it. The hell with it. This quarterback, he'll pull it off. Tyreek will figure it out. I, I just think it's going to embolden them to where it's going to be scary that way. And Mike, you know, you brought up the rushing uh, stats too with, with Kareem Hunt in new England. I think that's a very real thing too, as well. It's the same, same type of thought. Oh, we're worried about the deep pass game. Ooh, draw play. Oh, you know, a little sprint out. Here you go, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Now he's on the edge, whatever it may be. It's another element that you just have to worry about, and it's going to be hard to defend this formula, in my opinion, uh, with, with the way Andy calls plays and the talent they have. Before we flip over to the Texans' offense, who is it on the Texans' defense that we really can rely on to do so? You know, J.J. Watt, three-time defensive player of the year. When he's healthy, he's dominant. It just feels like he doesn't have... Yes, the supporting cast. All of them around no, the, him that maybe he once did. Right. I think so. You know, the clown, Clowney's not there. Whitney Merciless is no longer in the prime of his career. Whitney Merciless is the guy I look at to be like, hey, you know, he's got to be that next disruptor. And he's capable of that. He's always, you know, I think last year he flirted with double-digit sacks. Uh, but, yes, there's no marquee names other than J.J. Watt or a guy that you can look at right now and go, well, I can depend on him to make a play on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, I know we're going to flip it around here in a second. Kansas City's defense is not exactly the steel curtain, but they got guys like that. They got a guy at each level where you can go, oh, he can make a play and kind of change the game. So you better watch out for him. Uh, and, yeah, I think that's a big question about this this Texans football team all the way is the defense in general and have they improved from last year and who is going to step up and, you know, take take the reins and be a playmaker for them. And once the Chiefs dropped the hammer last year on the Texans, Travis Kelsey had three touchdowns as part of that comeback. And who's going to cover Travis Kelsey? The guys had 1,200 receiving yards well, four straight seasons. Yeah. Who's, who's going who's gonna to do it? How are they going to do it? You know, we, we went into the 2016, I think it was, one of those games. Maybe it's been 2015. I'm, the years are starting to blur together on me. 
Uh, but when the Steelers faced the Patriots right out of the gates and there was this concern, how do you cover Gronk? How do you cover Gronk? I mean, that's probably a question that's been ricocheting around the Texans' defensive meeting room as it relates to tra uh, covering Travis Kelsey. No doubt about it. Uh, I mean, yes, uh, he's such a safety net in the middle of the field. When Mahomes is in trouble, oh, the pockets collapse and I don't know what to do. You know, he's got like that, you know, that well, I don't even know what to say, that connection with Kelsey where you're like, I, whoa, I don't know how they pulled that off. Somehow Mahomes wanted him to go that way and he knew and he went that way. Now, the other guy to mention, I think, for the Texans defense who we didn't would be Zach Cunningham. That's why they just paid him a lot of money because I think they think he can be that type of guy. Middle linebacker, plays all three downs. You know, he can thump in between the tackles, but his real bread and butter is the ability to cover you know, tight ends and backs out of the backfield. So I would imagine if they match up, he's he could have that duty a few times, whether they got him matched up on Kelsey or maybe Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out of the backfield. But again, there you go. It's going to be – they'll be able to run games with those two now in the middle of the field, the zones, over-unders. Here, there's Kelsey, you know, up top. There's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire below. There's just uh, so many things you got to worry about in this Kansas City offense. Kelsey in the playoff game had 10 catches on 12 targets for 134 yards and three touchdowns, and he had two drops. So right. 12 for 12, he was open. And, and the thing about Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, they've got that Brady and Welker vibe, yeah, Brady and Edelman vibe, that, that Kelsey is the guy who's always around Mahomes. Anytime off field, remember when Texas Tech was playing in the Final Four a year and a half ago, Travis Kelsey didn't go to Texas Tech, but Patrick Mahomes did. He was right did. next to him. Kelsey's there in the stands with him. <laughs> Kelsey will not let Mahomes out of his sight, and it's worked. And and they they know they've got that connection. They they've do. got that ability to finish each other's sentences. One guy's going to know where the other guy's going to be, and you do it enough over and over and over again, it starts to click. It starts to mesh. It becomes unspoken. It becomes automatic. It becomes unstoppable. That's right. That's, that's camaraderie. That's knowing your teammate, being around a guy, you know, all of it. Yeah, I got the camaraderie. Right. Camaraderie. Yay. Uh, yeah, but it, that's all of it. That's, you know, spending time with a guy. There's the little nuances of football that make a connection special. You know, uh, last year in that game, there was a number of plays where Kelsey got the catch and got 15, 20 yards, and he was double covered. But Mahomes was like, ah, he'll figure this out. He's worked on that. We've worked on this before. We're not the first team to get double covered Travis Kelsey. And bam. But. I do think there is something to all that, what you just said. I mean, they were playing beer pong against Post Malone this year. He doesn't leave Patrick Mahomes' side. He's very smart that way. And, yeah, he's developed a, a special connection with him. And I can't remember who it was. One of the two was very bad at beer pong, and the other one was very good, and it resulted in Post Malone drinking a whole lot of beer before he started his he got show he got Kansas the autograph tattoo of Mahomes on his face or something, I believe, because Mahomes kept beating him in beer pong, and supposedly Post Malone takes his beer pong game very seriously, and Mahomes kept beating him, and they went like, okay, you beat me this time. I'm going to get a tattoo of your autograph on me, and Mahomes beat him, and he got an autograph of Patrick Mahomes and, I believe, Travis Kelsey on his body. Uh, apparently, Post Malone takes his beer pong even more seriously than he takes his shows, at least as it relates to not being drunk when you go out on the stage. If he was, I don't know. You're supposed like to be if you're a rock star, aren't you? It's, I mean, it sounds sober like I don't, on the, I don't, I don't, I don't That doesn't know. sound fun. Drunk before, <laughs> drunk during, drunk after, drunk <laughs> right. all the time. All right. Uh, when the Texans have the football, you've got Deshaun Watson. You don't have DeAndre Hopkins, but you've got 
Will Fuller and Kenny Stills and Brandon Cooks, and it's trending in the right direction for Cooks to play tonight. Diversification of the offense, not having that one guy that becomes the focal point. Darius Leonard, the Colts told me last year after they beat the Texans, hey, it was a key play. It was fourth down. We knew where the ball was going. It's going to Hopkins. He's their guy. This year, maybe it's a greater mystery. Maybe it makes Deshaun Watson better. Maybe it's addition by subtraction. Who knows? It was a stunner when they traded DeAndre Hopkins. What do we really expect? They got David Johnson, who could have a little bit of a career rebirth in Houston. They've got receivers that are going to be more of a non-go-to guy throw to the guy who's open do we see Deshaun Watson stepping up into that role I, I do I think so I, I think he's he's too smart of a human being and knows too much about the sport to realize like hey it can't just be me and one guy trying to figure it out you know play after play game after game and we're going to carry the passing offense I expect the, the Texans offense to be one of the more dangerous units in football this year. I really do. You know, one, I think their offensive line issues are figured out. They did a great job in last year's draft of, of not, you know, knocking it out of the park with their first two picks. So I think they're solidified there to where now Watson doesn't always have to look, look out of the corner of his eye, look at the pass rush, do those things. But to me, it is the – Oh, and I know we've talked about this. You can't pin any of these guys to one specific thing within the offense. It's a little bit like, let's just say, uh, Amendola, Chris Hogan, and Julian Edelman in New England, right? To where you're like, man, they're all kind of the same guy. And, you know, I don't know which guy's going to do which on this play. You know, they kind of use them all in, in, in every facet of the pass offense. And I think that's what you're going to have in a lot of ways here, too. You know, Randall Cobb's part of the bunch, too, to where – you're not going to be able to go, oh, it's third and five. They're, they're in this formation. They're going to go to this person. No, I, you know, I think it's going to be more by, by committee. And then you got David Johnson coming out of the backfield this year. That's going to change things too. So I really am looking for a huge year. And I think Houston, you know, I think we can sit here too. Brashad Breland, Kansas City, he's not playing. There's questions in that Kansas City secondary. Can they match up across the board against this unit with Houston? And I expect them to move the ball and put up some points tonight too. Let me dust off a narrative that we will revisit from time to time as it relates to dealing with a team with a high-powered offense. Yeah. Keep that team on the sidelines as long <laughs> as you possibly can, right? That one. How do you avoid a 51-7 to run? You make sure that when you have the ball, you use every second of the play clock. You call plays that will gain four and five yards, not 14 and 15 yards. You take your time moving the ball down the field. I mean, as Bill O'Brien, who's a damn good coach in his own right, went back to the lab for the past several months, knowing that he was going to have to go to Kansas City again and then finding out it was going to be the first game out of the gates, doesn't it make sense to think that you're going to design your offense when you're facing a team that can drop 51 in two and two-thirds two quarters that you're going to do what you can to limit the number of times that offense has the ball, which means keeping the ball as long as possible when you have it? Well, Billy O'Brien, he's always been pretty good with being patient with the run. You know, yeah, to me, that that's a good question, Mike. I mean, they're built to score and go. They really are. You know, to me, I, I, I think the, the more the adjustment part of what Houston does here. Yeah, maybe they can play more of the conservative passing game and decide they want to run the ball and do that. But I think that the advantage the Texans have is they can look at their games from last year and go, okay, 
we got to scrap the defensive game plan. That's the first thing we got to do. They moved the ball at will, uh, will on us in two games. So obviously we got to change our whole approach, the schematical approach, what we're going to do in certain situations, how we match up. But I, I, I'll be interested, Mike. I think that's a very good question. I mean, would he do that? Uh, I have a hard time believing he would with Watson and this group and everything like that, that he'd want to play that style of football. But maybe tonight's the night you do it because you just don't feel good about your defense in week one, no preseason, and you know you're you're playing the greatest show on turf there in Kansas City. It's a good Carlos one, Mike. Hyde I don't know if rusher. I have an exact answer for you there. Carlos Hyde was a leading rusher in the playoff game last year for the Texans, 13 carries, 44 yards. It, it was a little bit different, though, because – you know, the 21, the 24 came so easily to yeah, them. Yeah, big pass plays. And then, yep. Yeah, and, 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 then, and then the track meet was on. Right. So it's not like you can shift to grind the clock and get out of dodge mode. But, uh, you know, and that's the other thing, too. Apart from what the Texans do with the ball or what the Chiefs do with the ball, when you've got the chance to deliver the knockout blow, we saw it in January, and, and who knows, maybe the Chiefs would have come back from 28 nothing down, but I think psychologically there's a huge difference between 28-0 and 24-0. They had the chance to go up 28-0. They decided uh, ultimately to kick the field goal, and you just wonder in those moments, and football games come down to a moment here, a moment there, a decision here, a decision there, a bounce of the ball here, a bounce of the ball there, that it feels like well, we know it would ultimately would have been a different challenge for the Chiefs if they were down 28 nothing. But but that felt like the moment that the Texans became aware. The old the old analogy of when you're beating your big brother in ping pong and you're not supposed to be and you become aware that you're winning and you get nervous. That feels like the moment where the Texans were like, holy crap. And they got nervous and they got conservative. And if it would have been 28 nothing, who knows what would have happened? Well, yeah, I, I mean, it's a, val it's a valid point, certainly. You know, I mean, yeah, I watched the game. You know, all these reruns have been on so much during the year. There's no football. And I watched the game was on again the other night. You know, there they were. They were getting ready to go for it up 21 nothing. It was fourth and one. You know, it was really probably fourth and a half of a yard. But they couldn't get the play in on time. They called the timeout and then he decided to kick the field goal. I think he just came away going, you know what? You know, let me make this a 24-point game. Yeah, you know, it's it's three two-point conversion touchdowns or a four-score game. Um, also, though, let's not forget this aspect. Billy O'Brien, first off, is a hell of a coach. We know that. You could say what you want, the GM, all that. But every year, it doesn't matter who the team has had a quarterback or whatever. It's like, oh, Houston's in the playoffs. Uh, who's their quarterback? Uh, holy cow, they're in there? Now he's really got something. But he'll be able to sell to his team – like, we can go in there and beat them. You know, obviously, we know we just talked about they beat them in the regular season last year, but even into that playoff game, Mike, you know, let's not forget, Billy O'Brien, he'll probably be able to sell to his team like, hey, I made a stupid fake punt call, right, when it was 24-7 to or 24-8, to whatever that was. He's going to probably tell them I shouldn't have done that. And then on the ensuing, after the Chiefs score the touchdown to make it 24-14 or whatever it was, they fumbled the kick return and gave the Kansas City Chiefs the ball back on, like, the 10-yard line. So he's going to look at those things going here, like, hey, guys, I know they're great, blah, 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 but we kind of gave them the, the kickstart they needed to get that going there. We don't do that. Who knows where the game's going to go? And I think he'll be able to sell that to his players a little bit, and his players will look at it and go, yeah, you know, two, three plays different. Who knows what the hell happens in that football game? And I think they can go in there and kind of clean slate and have some confidence that they could pull this off tonight.
Would you show your team more of the film from the regular season win, 31-24, when they were down 17-3 and withstood that barrage out of the gates, or film from the loss? Which one would you lean on more to convince them they can go in there and win? Oh, well, I think I think that first game is always, you know, anytime you've done it, you can go in there and take away the positive of that game and, and sell that to your team in a team meeting and look like, hey, we went in here, look, here's a big third down to Sean Watson, he answered the bell. Hey, we had to stop Mahomes on a third down. Hey, look at defense, we did it. We know we can do this, you know. So I think you build on that and then you go to go, all right, now let's look at the playoff game. And let's look at some of the dumb things we did and the mistakes we made. And yes, we lost, you know, 51 to blah, blah, blah. But man, these three, four plays, if we just do our jobs or hold the ball or I'm not stupid and call a fake punt, you know, it could be a different story. And I think guys, first off, guys are always looking for a reason to believe in a locker room. And I think this is truly one of those reasons that, you know, you could believe. To finish where we started with the basketball analogy, back in the days when I actually watched a lot of basketball and enjoyed a lot of basketball because I wasn't 100% football all the time, there were those games where you would be going up against a team that you know is going to go on a run at some point. You yeah, just know it. Right. You just know it. There's going to be an 18-2 run at some point in this game. Can you otherwise do what you need to do to withstand it because it's coming? And that's how you have to view the Chiefs. It's coming, whether it's 17-3 to out of the gates – which the Texans overcame, or fifty-one to seven, and now, but you know, half of that, right? Right? What you, does it become fifty-one to seven? That's really the challenge. When it starts, can you stop the bleeding? Can you get it to end and flip it around yeah. and find a way to recover from it? Right. But you, you have to accept when you play the Chiefs, it's coming at some point. You can never get comfortable. You can never get complacent. You can never get confident, even if there's only seven minutes left in the Super Bowl. There's always a chance the explosion is going to be there, and you have to be ready for it, Chris, at any time. And no doubt. I think there's no team in the NFL that knows that better than Texans. No, there isn't. They should, at least, they, yeah, they've experienced it. They've seen it. I mean, you're right. Even in that win, I mean, they were on. They were teetering on like, oh, whoa, we might get blown out of the, you know, the the Chiefs Stadium here, but. You know, to me, the the thing you're talking about, that run and all that, you're right. I mean, Kansas City's going to do that. It, who is going to be that player? Is it J.J. Watt or somebody else that can make a play on the defensive side of the ball to, you know, stalemate that run or slow it down, put some ice on it? Okay. Nope, you're not going down for the third second consecutive time to score a touchdown. You know, that's to me where Kansas City has the advantage because Kansas City's got Chris Jones and Frank Clark and Honey Badger. All guys who can make plays to change a football game in a heartbeat to where Kansas City doesn't need to be, you know, like we talked about, the steel curtain or the purple people eaters or anything like that. They kind of have an exotic defense. They do a lot of different things. And I think they go, one of our guys, one of these big time, big timers is going to make a play to just give us one more possession. And that's where we're going to win the game because our offense will go down and score. And that's where they're, they're kind of great that way. Your eyes do not deceive you. It is 36 minutes after the hour, which makes this the longest opening segment we have ever Bam. done in the history of the program. Thank you, Peacock. And it's now 37. I talked about it just enough to get to 37. We'll try to top that maybe tomorrow, maybe Monday. Who knows? But for now, we're going to take a break. When we return, a couple of star players popped up on the injury radar screen on Wednesday, and the impact could be significant. We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. Obviously, 
a guy like Daniil, you know, um, he brings his own whole, whole other uh, type of, uh, of of game in, um, and it's going to be hard to replace that a guy like that. But we have guys that also um, are hungry and, and want to step up too. September 9, that's got to be the earliest sighting of the old school winter hat with the tassel on top. I got one of those downstairs, Chris, from 1972. Minnesota? Yes. <laughs> Your squad. And not, not, nearly, <laughs> not nearly as stylish. Can we get a picture of what Eric Kendricks looked like? They've changed those hats dramatically. Yes, they have. I'll have to show you mine. I'll have to maybe bring mine up tomorrow, and we can do a side-by-side. I think I've worn it on the air before. It's yellow at the bottom. It's purple on top with a purple and yellow tassel, and it is extremely old. It'd probably fall apart if I tried to put it on my head, uh, or my toupee would come off one way or the other. But Eric Kendricks talking about Vikings defensive end Daniil Hunter. And look, this is part of what you can legitimately do if you're an NFL team. You don't have to say anything about a guy's injury status all of training camp. You can say over and over again, as Coach Mike Zimmer did, he has a tweak. He has a tweak. Where's the injury? He has a tweak. What's wrong with him? He has a tweak. And then after the 53-man roster is set, especially this year where they've changed the rules where you only have to spend three weeks on injury reserve before you can come back. You put them on injury reserve. You've never had to fill out an injury report with his name on it. Yeah, that's you, amazing. We still don't know where the injury is. Right. We still don't know what's wrong with him. And we don't know when he's going to be back. All we know is he's going to miss a minimum of three weeks. Yeah, well, it, it's a big blow to this football team. I mean, it is. We know that. I mean, we've talked about this a lot. Yeah, there's some new pieces in that secondary. Best way to help them out is a great pass rush. You know, I think the defensive line was a little underwhelming to begin with. That's why they made the trade for Yannick Ngakwe. And now you, yeah, lose arguably, you know, I'll say the second best player on the defense because I think Eric Kendricks is the best player. He's an amazing football player. But their best pass rusher and one of the best pass rushers in football. And, of course, who do you got to play week one? Oh, oh, Aaron Rodgers. He likes to dance around the pocket and buy a lot of time. Now your pass rush is not as good. Florio's Vikings are in trouble. <laughs> you got any more? <laughs> no, that's it. That was are pretty good, though. You I, just I'm, take us I'm to the top of the hour with that? You just <laughs> no. do it over and over again? No, thank you. <laughs> how, how, or the, the song you were singing before the show started from the very popular and remembered by all 1986 movie Wildcats. Wildcats. That one threw me for a loop. Wildcats. Goldie Hawn playing a high school football coach. I remember that much. Beyond that, I remember none of it. But, you know, I do remember because it wasn't that long ago, the trade for Yannick Ngakwe. It makes me wonder, yeah. was Ngakwe acquired to be the complement? Or did they Hunter, knew this was an issue. Or the replacement yeah, right. for, for Daniel Hunter. And that's the thing, because you don't have to tell the public, the sports betting public, which is the reason why they have the injury reports in the first place. You don't have to say anything. Nobody knows. Look, for all we know, this is just an extended holding in by Daniel Hunter. We don't know. It could still be that Daniel Hunter saw Joey Bosa get $27 million per year, and he looked at his contract, and he's making 14 4 and he said, screw that. And this is just all part of something that they haven't been able to resolve for the last month because they haven't had to really give us anything specific. Now, you can't put a guy in injured reserve if he's not really injured, but, but you know, it wouldn't be the first time a guy got put on injured reserve when he wasn't really injured. No. So, uh, I, you know, we, we just don't know. We won't know. But it could be that Yannick Ngakwe isn't the number two or the number one B to the number one A of Daniel Hunter. It could be that 
Ngakwe is like when you show up for a Broadway show tonight playing the part of Daniel Hunter is Yannick Ngakwe. No, I mean, maybe. I, it had crossed my mind, too. Did they know this was part of the trade, that he was battling something or there was some other issue, maybe contract, whatever you're saying there? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like if it was a contract thing, like it would have got out. That's the only thing I'll say to that. that to this point, that big time of a player, I think too many people have inquired – I just think with all the guys on the Vikings, some of the guys got cut this past week. Somebody would have got it and gone, nah, he's not really hurt. He wants more money. So I'm I'm hopeful that it's a real injury, I, I, I at least. But it's a big blow to the football team. There's no doubt. He's a game changer. He has to make you think about what you do pass protection-wise, all of those things. He's always good for a, a sack or two and a must-throw situation in any game. Um, and, yeah, it's just another hurdle for the Minnesota Vikings. But going to hurt them, especially in week one, dealing with Rodgers. The Hunter injury wasn't a surprise because we've known all along he has something, even if we only knew it was a tweak. The Buccaneers threw us a curveball on Wednesday, injury report when it first came out. And yesterday's kind of a weird day. It's the first day we really do find out who's injured and who's not for the guys who went on IR. And how about Mike Evans, star receiver, one of the best receivers in the NFL who doesn't nearly get the credit that he deserves. We may not see him at all on Sunday. He missed practice. The Buccaneers said, we'll see how it goes. Apparently, it's some sort of a soft tissue thing. But, you know, th this, this is the first practice of the first week of the season. And if you've got something that's keeping you out of that practice, then it very well may keep you out of the game that follows. Chris. Yeah, most likely. I mean, that's the way I would look. And I think we're hearing hamstring, right, with Mike Evans, too. Yes. That's never a good look for a receiver where your game is let me go deep and run by people. That's scary. And it's one of those, too, where if I'm running the Bucks football team, I, I don't push that. I, I don't. That's not the type of thing you push and go, oh, you know, maybe he can go out there and play 90%. No, this is like the exact opposite. This is one of those injuries you go – Oh, you're 100%? Let's wait one more week because I'm not sure I buy it once we get on the field and intensity and guys are pushing on you and you got to make breaks that way. So he's too big of a player to risk for me in week one. It's certainly going to hurt them. We know that. They're playing a really good Saints football team that has it all. And Evans is that great weapon that causes, creates attention from defenses. He opens up other people. Plus, everything we've heard is Brady loves throwing to him. And I'm sure Brady looked at it like, oh, if it's one-on-one, -on -one, hey, I'll throw a 50-50 ball. We talked yesterday. It's not 50-50 with Mike Evans. It's more like 70-30. So uh, that would be a huge blow to their football team as well, especially against the New Orleans Saints. One of the rare NFL injuries that I can speak to from experience is the hamstring. And the thing about the hamstring, now I didn't have access to the high-end healing methods that are available to NFL players, but you just got to give it time. Yes. And whenever you think it's done and you want to go back, so you're telling yourself, it's a battle between your brain and your body. Your brain is saying, I'm fine. I can go. It feels good. I got it all stretched out. I've been doing every possible stretch that I can. And it feels good, and I'm fine. And you just wait, and you wait because you know it's going to grab. You're going to feel that grab again, and then you're back to we got to wait, we got to give it time. So that's going to be the key. If there's a hamstring strain, if there's anything going on there, depending upon the level, depending upon the degree, you just got to give it time to heal. And with the Buccaneers, they've got a bunch of great receivers. But if this becomes a multi-week thing, right? Wait for the Antonio Brown stuff to bubble up because you know. Hashtag Tommy. 
is going to want to bring in Antonio Brown if Mike Evans is going to be gone for any extended period of time. Now, remember, Brown's got to miss the first eight games of the season. That's why I'm saying let's watch and wait and see. But for now, it's just jarring. It's jarring. We're, we're getting ready to take the new car out for a drive, and one of the tires is flat. Yeah, That stinks. was stunning to me yesterday. No, it is. It's, it's a stunner. I mean, come on. There's nobody we're more excited to watch this weekend for the most part. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are towards the top of the list, right? I mean, with Brady and Bruce Arians and this offense, and whoa, they're going to play against Drew Brees and Sean Payton, and that, you know, that was definitely one of the games we all have had circled just because of, you know, Brady in a different uniform. You know, so that that to me is uh, it is it's going to be tough, and and of course the New Orleans defense is very good, and this will be if there's no Mike Evans, this is one less guy they got to worry about. It can embolden them a little bit to maybe take a chance or do something they might not have done in this Week One matchup if Evans was on the field. It can let them maybe be a hair more aggressive because there's not that guy that's necessarily going to scare you deep down the field for Tampa without Mike Evans in the lineup. All right, time for another quick break. We can't do back-to-back 37-minute segments, unfortunately. We'd both like to, but we can't. We're going to take a break when we come back. Which doesn't belong and why? First day of the season edition. More PFT Live right after this. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. There's no place like the movie theater. The smell of fresh popcorn welcomes you to a full body experience while candies and sodas compete for your attention. Hoping to join you in the best seats you've reserved on Fandango. It's where movie lovers buy tickets, pick seats, and double up on rewards points all online. All that's left is to walk in, snack up, and sit back. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics, Friday, July 26th on NBC and Peacock. Wednesday Night Highlights, the Islanders and the Lightning. Game two. Scoreless first period early. How about Matt Martin? Way to go, Matt Martin. Matt Martin puts Matt Casey's team up 1-0. Remember, they had gotten blown off the ice 8-2 in game one, so that was huge. Uh Uh-oh, this is huge. Uh Uh-oh. Tampa Bay Lightning. It's 1-1. Victor Hedman Uh puts Biscuit in the basket. And here we are with 7.8 seconds left. Overtime looming. The Lightning, Nikita Kucherov, puts it past the red line, inside the goal, and I can't read what Matt Casey has written in the sheets. It's a lot of four-letter words. Watch out. All of us fired. <laughs> His team went down. They're down two to nothing. The series resumes Friday night on USA. Tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. It's 
the Vegas Golden Knights and the Dallas Stars, which means split screen alert. NBC on the big TV, NBCSN on the sidecar. You can watch Chiefs, Texans, and Stars Golden Knights. That's coming up tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. All right, which doesn't belong and why, Chris? Let's get right to it. First topic for today, Jalen Ramsey with his new contract. He's in the which doesn't belong and why. Three corners, Jalen Ramsey, Stephon Gilmore, Tredavious White. Who do we got? Oh, who doesn't belong and why? Well, I could go di two different ways here, but I think right now the guy that doesn't belong and why is Stefan Gilmore. I mean, you know, Tredavious White and Jalen Ramsey just got record-breaking contracts at their position. They're young players who are, you know, just hitting the prime of their career. Gilmore's established, you know, didn't get a new contract, and we know what he is, and he's getting toward the end of the prime of his career. So, uh, that's where I'll I'll say Stefan Gilmore to me is the one that you know doesn't belong. Well, I'll say Ramsey doesn't belong because he's the one who played his leverage out. He's the one who was in the unique position of getting traded last year and not giving in to any pressure that was placed upon him to sign a contract on the way in the door. He yeah. knew what he was doing. I remember last year, Deion Sanders has got a connection to Jalen Ramsey, suggested maybe Ramsey wouldn't be with the Rams for very long. Right. I think the seeds were being planted then for that record-breaking contract. Now, look, we expected Jalen Ramsey to be the highest-paid corner in league history, but he's the highest-paid corner by a large margin. Tredavious White just set the bar on Saturday, and Ramsey, you know the old thing where you do the yeah, the, the hands right. up the baseball bat. I mean, he's up here. Well, wow. so uh, and 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 we knew he was going to be, even yeah. though his performance last year after the trade. Who knows? Once you give up two ones and a four for Jalen Ramsey, you've got to pay him. Yes, you've got to definitely. You can't if you don't. He's going to walk away. And it's like we gave up two ones and a four for a guy that we had for a season and a half. Yeah, well, and Jalen Ramsey is a a special special player. And, and again, th th this to me kind of explains how special he is. He didn't play football for like three or four weeks, right, waiting to get traded last year from the Jacksonville Jaguars. He goes to the Rams, and in the first game, they're like, okay, you're starting, and oh, there's Julio Jones. A lot of the big plays, we're going to have you cover a man-to-man. -man. Oh, okay, no big deal. It's only the freakiest guy in football. I'll cover a man-to-man. Ramsey is a special, special specimen. You know, it – I almost went with Tredavious White as the one that doesn't belong because Tredavious White, in my opinion, is not, and this is, I, I'm getting to my point of why Jalen Ramsey, I think, jumped him by so much, is not a lockdown island man-to-man -man corner. That's not what he is. He can play some man-to-man, -man, but that's not his bread and butter. He's really good at zone defense. That's what McDermott runs. Ramsey and Gilmore are shut down man-to-man -man guys, and Ramsey Man, the better the receiver, the better he plays, in my opinion. He is special that way. He tackles. There's really no weakness to his football game. And, Mike, he's one of those guys, too, where I think at the end of his career, he could do that Charles Woodson, Rod Woodson type thing because he's physical and big enough to where he can end up having, like, another second part of his career where we go, man, he might be a Hall of Fame safety, too. I wouldn't be shocked. He's, he's truly a, a special player that way. Meanwhile, the Rams have given out a lot of big contracts recently, and most of them have not worked out except for Aaron Donald. They're hoping Jalen Ramsey becomes number two in the it worked out column. All right, Miles Garrett, Jadavian Clowney, Joey Bosa. Which doesn't belong and why? Oh, Jadavian Clowney doesn't belong. I'll tell you why. Because he doesn't have a long-term contract, and the other guys do. <laughs> but, yeah, I think, you know, he doesn't have a long-term contract, Clowney, and also he's a different player than those two. Bosa and Garrett are true edge pass rushers. We're coming around the corner with our hair on fire. We're coming to get the quarterback. That's not Clowney's game. He's disruptor. 
he blitzes through the middle. He plays D tackle. He does. He plays the game a different way than those. That's why I think he doesn't belong. And I explained why. I could go with the really obvious low-hanging fruit, but you know, I just well, you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. Miles Garrett doesn't belong because he's the only guy who hasn't taken off a quarterback's helmet and hit him over the head with it. Boom! Right? Path of least resistance. Right? Well, yes. Taking it. Taking it a little more subtly than Dr. that, Dr. Doom you. has struck in on no, Thursday, no. the first it's, game of the year. It's not Dr. Doom. It's Ronnie Reality. <laughs> who doesn't belong in these three? Among these three, which is the one who has hit a quarterback over the head with his own helmet? And yeah. it's relevant, again, because Miles Garrett says he wants to sit down with Mason. See, I'm going so, somewhere with I this. I saw that. I'm tying it to the news. He wants to sit down with Mason Rudolph and talk it through with him. And, I, I you know, look, I it seems a little late for that. But uh, I, I appreciate any gesture, given the crazy times we're in, any effort, no matter what's happened in the past, any effort to try to mend fences and bring people together is a positive yep. because it's a, it's, a, it's a message and a lesson to the rest of us that maybe we should try to do the same damn thing. No doubt. All right, last one. Let's jam it in here. Sean Payton, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay. Which doesn't belong and why? Sean Payton doesn't belong. I'll tell you why. Because Sean Payton, first off, McVay, Shanahan, they're like kid geniuses. We've talked about this. Sean Payton's middle-aged genius. He doesn't belong that way. Other thing is, Sean Payton, he's got a Super Bowl. He's won one, you know, and I'm not trying to be funny or take a knock at Kyle or, or Sean in any which way. But, yeah, they're still, you know, climbing that mountain to get there. Sean Payton has already gotten there, and he's trying to go back for a second time. Uh, so uh, that, that's why I'll go with Sean Payton there. You're really trying to make me do it again, aren't you? You're trying to get me to say what I said yesterday during the digital taping when you picked the Seahawks to, oh, I don't want to spoil anything. You picked the Seahawks over the 49ers on a key category that we're going to be discussing next hour. Right. Remember what I said? Remember what I said? Did you hear what I said, T? Uh, about your, 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 your Kyle Shanahan tattoo oh, is throbbing it? Yeah, thank anytime you. you don't pick him, thank like you. Harry Potter's scar yes. on his forehead. Does it throb when you, when you don't no, pick Kyle Shanahan in one of these things? It doesn't. Uh, I'll, you know, I'd like to think of something creative and funny here to pick one of the other two. But, yeah, I mean, Sean Payton has the Super Bowl trophy, and he's proven it. The other two are still trying to prove it. Right. And they are, and they both will. And you know what? Uh, one reason Sean Payton doesn't belong is the other two are going against each other twice a year all the time for That's playoff berths, for division titles, et cetera. Full hour, PFT Live, still to come. We'll be right back. 